Good morning, brothers and sisters. We're back to Sunday school time. Families get up and rushed out the door just a bit sooner. Uh, I think after a bit of a reprieve, everyone's done a bit of a mad scramble this morning, but by the grace of God, we have a chance to resume Sunday school yet again. And uh, as I reflect on this, the, the thought comes to mind, limited time offer. The young people in our church are growing quickly, and the opportunity that we have to steward 45 or 50 minutes each week to teach the Word of God to them is, is precious. So definitely want to begin this morning praying for and putting Sunday school uh, in the hands uh, of the Lord, that God would use each um, man and woman teaching Sunday school this morning. Also, as I think of limited time opportunity, we're reminded throughout Scripture that we're to make the most of every day because the days are evil. The things that we have been um, commanded to do by our Lord Jesus Christ, we do while there is time. And uh, this morning, we'll be beginning Adult Sunday School, a new series, Equipping the Saints. And uh, we'll hear a little bit more as a primer today from our brother Benjamin Kittleson about what we're going to undertake but just uh, Benjamin and Rachel and their family's involvement in our church is a reminder of how uniquely constructed this particular body of believers is. Uh, for those of you who have known Benjamin and Rachel, they were a part of our church for a number of years. And because of Benjamin's work in the Navy, they also went out from among us and were used by the Lord uh, at a church in Japan for a number of years. And in God's grace and in God's sovereignty, they've been brought back to us for a time. And we're aware that everything that we do as a church is about equipping the saints for the glory of God and for the good of the church, capital C. That's not always the church where, where we want to, to see the equipped serve, but God graciously moves his people from one place to another. And we're grateful that the Lord has brought Benjamin and Rachel to be a part of our church and that for the next eight weeks, a topic that God has put on our brother's heart will be one used to equip us, a topic that's um, much at need, and I'll let him speak to that, but let's go before the Lord in prayer and put Sunday school um, at all grade levels before our gracious Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have called us and gifted us for good works before time even began. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have the opportunity this morning, this week, to proclaim your gospel. Thank you that in different rooms around this little church, men and women are faithfully shepherding young hearts, laying out the truth of your word, that souls might be saved, that your name might be exalted. We pray, Lord God, that for us as the adults, Lord God, that you would equip us as your saints. Equip us to minister to one another. Equip us to properly handle your word, that you might be exalted in and through us. Father God, I pray that your hand would be on Benjamin this morning, that you would use the things that for years you've had on his heart and for months you've had on his mind, that he would be used by you to build us up. We pray all these things in the name of your Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus. And we ask that you would be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Benjamin.
Thank you, Pastor Matthew. <clears throat> Good morning, brothers and sisters. Welcome to Pacific Hope's Adult Sunday School course for the spring 2023 season. Over the next eight weeks, we will be learning about the topic of biblical counseling. Galatians 6.2 tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us to encourage one another and lift each other up. A little further down in verse 14, we're urged to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all. Romans 15.2 says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. And finally, at the risk of stealing a little bit of thunder from Pastor Matthew and Pastor Robert, uh, 1 John 4.21, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we gather here this morning to learn the importance of coming alongside our brothers and sisters in an effort to bear one another's burdens and to encourage each of us in our desire to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. First, we want to thank you for your word, which guides us into all understanding of who you are and what you want from us. We want to thank you for the truth revealed in your word, which we can use to help and even heal the pain and hurt and the anguish that we experience despite our identification as your children. We pray that each person within these walls would leave here today and even more so over the next eight weeks with a deep understanding of the goals of counseling one another using your word. But more importantly, a deep desire to see themselves as well as their brothers and sisters grow closer to you as we look and act and even speak more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, use this time and the topics that we are going to cover, as well as the discussions that we'll be having, to bring good to your servants and glory to your name, the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> if you're like me, the term counseling is one that might give you reason for pause. Many, if not most of us, are convinced that any problems or issues that we may have, they could be dealt with by just changing something in our daily routine. Perhaps our fears or anxieties, the things that bother or worry us, can be dealt with by just taking some time off, getting our mind right, getting straight, or consulting one of the countless self-help books or tapes that are currently on the market. And if you're looking for a sort of quick fix or mantra to say or, or a technique to take the edge off, you could be right. But 
the question we should all be asking ourselves when we consider something like that is, can it actually solve the problems or the issues that I'm dealing with? Within the realm of faith, merely cleaning our outsides does not absolve us of what's going on inside, the sins that we have committed against a holy God. So why would we think that approaching ongoing grief or anxiety, a lack of peace or assurance, might best be handled by anything other than the Word of God? Now, if you've been a Christian for longer than just a couple of days, you've probably heard someone say that the Bible is the greatest self-help book of all time. In fact, virtually every success principle that you find on those corporate posters that are hanging in office buildings around the world, they contain lessons that come straight from Scripture. And billions of dollars are spent every year on the books and seminars that focus on work ethic and the importance of character and having a good attitude, which is all well and good. The Bible does, in fact, address all of these attributes of life and success. However, the Bible is not meant to be a go-to for a sort of Band-Aid to salve our wounds and our spiritual and professional boo-boos. And with that said, allow me to pause for a moment just to cover what we're going to be doing here. The course that we're going to be going through during this season of Adult Sunday School is a video-based program entitled Transformed. It's been produced by the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and it's been uh, provided in cooperation with Gospel Partners Ministries. We'll be watching a 20 to 25 minute counseling session with a little bit of commentary, and then afterward we will talk in a sort of question-and-answer-led time of discussion. So, be prepared to participate. All right. Now, our goal here is twofold. First, that you and I, each and every one of us within these walls, who professes faith in Christ, would be better equipped to come alongside our brothers and our sisters in an effort to bear each other's burdens as you heard scripture say earlier, and to help lead those that we love to a place of healing with the word of God itself as our source of that healing. The second goal is that if you yourself are experiencing grief or anxiety, a lack of peace or assurance, irritability, lingering pain, or the inability to heal, it's my hope and that of our leadership here at Pacific Hope Church, that you would come to a point of peace within your own walk as we examine the lives of real people who are experiencing real issues and real problems, receive help from the pages of Scripture, the Word of God. Now then, if you're a professing brother or sister, or the professing brother or sister you're trying to counsel, does not know the gospel, then what we're doing here, biblical counseling, cannot help you. It can't work. 
Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors and sort of my, uh, my co-host, if you will, through these next eight weeks. He states definitively that biblical counseling cannot work in the life of the unbeliever. Note that he said it cannot, not merely that it will not. Because biblical counseling is not a self-help program, biblical counseling is not a method to achieving emotional stability. Biblical counseling goes beyond simple behavioral modification or moralism. Biblical counseling uses the Bible to expose and diagnose and then offer a cure for the hurting heart. Biblical counseling is about the transformation of the person being counseled from brokenness to wholeness and to grow ultimately in godliness. Our primary goal as we approach biblical counseling is not to fix each other's problems. It is to lead one another to love Christ more and to become increasingly transformed into his image. And that's why those who are being counseled must be saved if biblical counseling is going to help them. The two main reasons that we're exploring the topic of biblical counseling are one, that you would see and hear how the Bible applies to the emotional issues that you may be facing. And, or those of your professing Christian family or friends, and that you would be helped by the information that we cover here. Number two, that you would be encouraged to become a biblical counselor yourself. Therefore, this course is intended to help both you, our Sunday school attendees, as well as any professing brother or sister you know who is working through these issues, because as you go through every page of scripture, you'll see biblical counseling situations set up as you go through the pages. You'll see people dealing with things on practically every page of Scripture. And we're exhorted to come alongside one another. So the reality is you're already biblical counselors. The point here is that we're going to work to be better equipped in our obedience as biblical counselors. The Puritans believed that God's word had the power to overcome our rotten thinking. And that's precisely where we'll begin and where we'll endeavor to stay as we take on the task of coming alongside our brothers and sisters in an effort to help them heal from the wounds and hurts and disappointments which are daily and deeply impacting their lives. The first truth we all need to embrace is this. <clears throat> In the lives of the people we are trying to help through their issues, God is in control, and you and they are not. And this is the reason for panic or to be defeated. Well, it's not. It's not a reason to be panicked or defeated. Because on the contrary, this is a reason to rejoice because God is more powerful than we will ever be and he is able to, come, able to overcome when we are not. I'd like to begin by sharing a little reality. 
human emotions, you may notice, are pretty much in a shambles in our current culture. But there is good news. As I just stated, God is in the business of fixing human emotions. In fact, his word tells us that he wants to fix them. Over the course of the next eight weeks, we're going to explore something the church used to understand, practice, and trust as a matter of utmost importance to the health and well-being of the local church body, biblical counseling. Now, a long time ago, the Puritans referred to biblical counseling as soul care. They actually believed that the Bible has the power, in fact, the Holy Spirit, has the power to overcome that rotten thinking. And this is where I believe we should begin if we're going to understand the proper frame of mind, to understand with the proper frame of mind what God wants to do for us. God is actually on your side. He's on your side in this struggle that we call everyday life. And Jesus is right now interceding for us he gave us his word so that we can think rightly and behave rightly, so that we can look, act, and think like Christ. When God made man and placed him in the garden, he made us different from the animals. We're higher, better. He made us in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Through that creation, he bestowed to us some of his attributes so that you and I and all of mankind would be a reflection of him. Now, you might be getting the idea that you've perhaps just crossed over into some sort of Twilight Zone episode where Kenneth Copeland's going to come out and declare, declare and decree that you're little gods? No worries. We're not, we're not going to go there with this. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that being made in the image of God makes you some sort of, by, by some sort of mystical power or virtue of your profession of faith into a little God. To be clear, you are not Jesus. But, as Paul mentioned and reminded the church at Corinth in his second epistle, chapter 5, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We are a small image, but an image nonetheless of God created on purpose and for a purpose. Let's ask ourselves a couple of questions before we go any further. How does God feel? How does God think? Remembering, of course, that God is not controlled by his emotions. He is not emotional as you or I might be prone to be. But he does have emotions, and he conveys that attribute, those emotions, to us. And we're supposed to demonstrate the same feelings the same thinking and the same behavior that he has because we are made in his image and likeness. But here's the problem. Our great-great-great-great, you get the idea, our, our great-great-grandparents, back in the garden, they kind of threw a wrench into his plan. Seems that way, doesn't it? 
they sinned, they rebelled, and the curse entered into the world. And as a result, all of creation groans. Now, God didn't get all upset and stomp his feet like some sort of supernatural teenager. In fact, they didn't really mess up his plan at all. Because he'd already made a provision for their sin in Christ. He didn't react out of some sort of desperation. Things went according to his plan already. His prearranged plan. In fact, Acts chapter 2 speaks of God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge. Acts 4 tells of how Herod and Pilate were a part of God's predestined purpose. And so is sin. Not that God causes sin. He's not the author of sin, but he providentially permits sin. And why? So that he could demonstrate his love toward sinners in the sending of Jesus Christ. Thereby demonstrating his mercy and grace and his loving kindness, as we learned last year when we went through Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. I'm referring specifically to chapter 2, verse 7. Now, when we look back at the garden, we can clearly see why we all have truly rotten thinking, why we have inappropriate, ungodly emotions. Because of the fall, because of sin, and because of the curse that sin brought about, we all have broken brains. Allow me to explain. The gospel message informs us of our ruin in sin as a result of breaking God's laws. Our offenses, our sins against God himself, is evidence of our imperfect state. We see something desirable, we covet it. We see someone desirable, we lust after them. We're offended, we hate we're proud, we rebel. And because sin originates in the heart, it's not just our brains that are broken. The Bible is true in its proclamation that our hearts are deceptively wicked. But as you'll see as we practice biblical counseling, we begin with the rotten thinking that is happening in order to work our way deeper down to the root, the heart. And so on the surface, the result of our sin, sort of a mental illness, we all have mental and emotional issues to varying degrees. But here is God's promise. He saves us. He forgives us. He justifies us. He sees us as righteous. He even promises that he will glorify us. But what's missing from that list? Did you notice I didn't mention sanctification? God wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. And the gospel is actually pretty simple. Jesus died for sinners. And when a man or a woman repents and puts their faith in Jesus Christ, all of their sins, past, present, future, are forgiven. And God grants us everlasting life, period. But that's not where he stops. 
God doesn't just save us and then leave us to ourselves. On the contrary, that is only where it begins. His work begins the work of growing us in holiness and making us more like Jesus. He will glorify us when we die, make no mistake about it. And when he does glorify us, our thinking will finally be right. We won't be stuck on this emotional roller coaster that life has us on. We will actually appear as God has made us, a little image bearer of God. But God is not going to wait until he glorifies us to begin that work in us. Right now, he wants to begin the work of sanctification in our lives by changing our thinking. He wants to start now so that we can actually feel the way that we actually are. You see, he has declared us righteous now. He has declared us righteous through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's declared us saints now. He's declared us to be holy. And he now desires to make us the way that he has declared us. Now, just the thought of that right there, what I just mentioned, should be reason enough for all of us to just kind of sigh with a nice hearty amen. We should be filled with joy at just the thought of God taking such a keen interest in our lives. Think about this for a bit. God loves you so much, he doesn't just want to forgive your sins, as if that's some sort of small thing, right? More than that, he wants to indwell your heart. Through the Though the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and start working with you to make you whole, to make you better, to make you like He is. Here's a couple of church terms I'm sure we're all familiar with. The work, while the work of salvation is monergistic, right? God does the work. The work, the work of sanctification is synergistic, where you have a hand in the work that's going on. You're involved in the process with God. He is not willing that we should be saved and then nothing else. Left on our own to figure all this out, hoping that we'll some, suddenly have more good days than bad days, because left on our own, we would only really have bad days. Our God enters into us, giving us the strength, giving us the desire. He gives us the tools to think his holy thoughts after him. These tools are, as Peter said to Jesus, the words of eternal life. And it is when we let the Bible interpret our challenges, that's when we have victory over our problems and the work can begin. Now, God could, if he chose to, kind of wave his hand like a magician and instantaneously change our lives. He could take some fairy dust, sort of, and uh, sprinkle it and make us completely and emotionally stable. 
where we would never experience any more irrational fears or agony or pain ever again. We would no longer hurt in ways that cannot be fixed by the latest self-help fad or technique. God could, this, God could do this in this very minute, but it's not what he wants to do. That's not what his word tells us he is going to do. God wants to take our broken thoughts and our emotions and use those to turn us into image bearers who reflect him rightly. God wants to do that for you and for me. He wants to do that for all of us within his church. The Puritans, the Reformers, the Saints, right down to our very pastors and leaders today, they all knew that, and they know that today. They all understand that our issues with our emotions is really more of a sanctification issue a theological issue, and ultimately a sin issue. It's difficult to hear, but so it was the day we got on our knees and repented, coming to the point of understanding that it was our sin that put Christ on the cross. But this is actually good news because God specializes in mortifying our sin, in forgiving our sin. And that is what he wants to and can do for each of us. So as we start this course, perhaps you yourself have some emotional struggles, stuff you're trying to work through. Perhaps you're here because you just want to understand what biblical counseling is. Perhaps you're like me and you've heard about it, and you want to know what's involved with becoming a biblical counselor. Because you'd love to help people with their stuff, but you want to do it with a theological foundation, one based and rooted in the Word of God. And this is why we need to start by recognizing what our emotions are and why. Why our feelings are the way they are and what God wants to do with them. We also need to, under, to recognize that in his word, God has provided for, for us every tool that we need to accomplish his will in our lives. God's will is not that he would give us a command without the ability to obey it. It's the very reason he calls us to obedience. And this is true for our emotions and our feelings. God does not want us to be sinning with our emotions and feelings. He wants us to be like him. He commands us to no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In his grace, he has given us his word, the Bible, a book that was assembled by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, who has the task of sanctifying us through his word. Now let me ask you, with every head raised, every eye open, do you believe that God's word is sufficient? 2 Timothy 3, chapter uh, verses 16 and 17 remind us that all scripture is inspired or breathed out by God. 
and is profitable for doctrine or teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you believe that's true? Do you believe that the Bible is everything that we, as professing believers in Jesus Christ, need? That it's sufficient? If not, you may be convinced that worldly advice will be able to get you through your problems. Maybe you'll even convince yourself that you can use secular techniques in some sort of biblical model. But 2 Timothy 3.16 says don't do that. You don't need to do that because God's word is all that we need for life and godliness. You remember I mentioned earlier that the Puritans referred to biblical counseling as soul work. Well, that's why. They realized that these are not issues that Freud or other secular psychiatrists or psychologists could figure out. They recognized that their study of God's word has it figured out. That our feelings and emotions are things that God knows intimately because he conveyed them to us. And God is not confused or clueless about what is going through our minds. He knows precisely what's happening with our emotions. He knows precisely what to do with them. And he will do that when we recognize that he is in control and you'll see this as a recurring kind of topic and theme throughout the coming weeks. He is our source, who has given us every tool and the means to use them that we need to fight this battle. And when we do, we will be image bearers who bring glory to his name. Now, what you're going to see over the coming seven weeks are godly men and women who have studied their Bibles and learned the truths of Scripture so that they can, in turn, apply them to every psychological issue. Now, I know what you may be thinking as you sit there, waiting for me to uh, kind of move on from this point. You may be thinking, you didn't mention the specific situation that I'm dealing with. And you'd be right. The fact is, we're going to simply touch upon seven issues or problems or, or maladies that quite a few people deal with every day in this current culture. Though if you're paying attention, you'll notice that the topic named in the title on the cards that we've got given out here, that those, those topics will almost never be what the counselor in the video and the counselee actually stay with. Because there are issues that are presenting problems, and then there are almost always a deeper issue, something that's not outward facing, something that is buried, that, that needs to be gotten to. And the Bible helps to parse that out. Whether it's the presenting problem or a deeper concern, the Bible covers every single issue that we may be facing. From that grief and anxiety 
lack of peace or assurance, to substance abuse, sexual sin, and lust, doubt, and worry, and even deeper psychological issues, God has provided us in his word, which speaks to all of those issues, as well as many we don't even have the time to list here. In his word, he provides a solution, a way for us to be healed. And as we begin to close this introduction for today, please understand that we are not introducing some sort of new fad or religious tradition, some new teaching, as Paul put it. We're not doing that. What we're examining, or what we're doing is examining the why and the how of accomplishing what God's word itself tells us we should be doing already. What we should be doing for one another. As we begin to practice this duty within our church body, we will begin to reflect what the church was always meant to be, a place where people can bring their burdens and lay them down at the foot of a blood-stained cross, a place where we are in fellowship with other sinners saved by grace who are willing and able to search the scriptures with us to help us remember the hope that we were saved to. May we all exemplify Christ as we remember the kindness of God which led us to this salvation. It is my prayer and my hope, and again, that of our church leadership, that you would be encouraged to the point of obedience and that this course would be used to strengthen our small body of believers and to lift up anyone among us who is feeling downcast or hurt by the power of God's word alone, and for the glory of God alone. Sola Scriptura, Soli Deo Gloria. Please pray with me. Lord God Almighty, who knows each and every one of us down to the smallest detail, once again we thank you for this unique opportunity we've been given to search your word and to study scripture which reveals your desire for mankind. Be with us as we prepare to examine the biblical solutions for overcoming and ultimately finding healing from the issues that distract us from growing to be more like you in our words and deeds. Guide us into our understanding of how we can help our brothers and sisters in Christ to love you more and protect us from the slings and arrows that our adversary would use to distract us from the noble work of encouraging one another and lifting each other up, thereby fulfilling your commands through biblical counseling. We pray for our church leadership and all of the faithful servants here today as they endeavor to serve your people in the worship of your holy name. In Jesus' name, we make these requests. Amen. <laughs>